For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Ah, I guess we got to do a show, huh? Yeah. We're sitting here not ready to do Birds 365. <laughs> We're talking wrestling in a WWE and or AEW. Johnny Mac and Jody Mac, two pretty big wrestling fans and two all right football guys. We'll try and make it up for you for the next two hours. Uh, did you watch uh, Monday Night Raw last night, Johnny Mac? I did not. Not live. I had uh, some uh, Ikea furniture to try to put together. So I, I got a DVR. I got to get to it today. Same here. I watched the first hour and then I had to be on the air last night. So I didn't get the chance to go back and watch it yet. Uh, but I was not. What I did watch during the day on Peacock was the pay-per-view from Sunday night. I would say underwhelming. Uh, backlash. Uh, was okay at best, wouldn't give it high grades. Uh, you know, I'm a Roman Reigns guy, and he retained the title, so that's good by me. But overall, zombies? Yeah, what? that's not good. That's not good. I mean, it's a crossover with the Netflix film coming out with Dave Batista, so I understand it. But anytime they try to do goopy stuff like that, you go all the way back to RoboCop uh, in the WCW days. It is awful. It, yeah, Leaves a bad taste in your mouth. But I will say, if you're a Roman Reigns fan, the main event was great, him and Cesaro. So it depends what you're looking for. But, yeah, when you do something that stupid, and this is the criticism I've had with Vince McMahon, Tony Khan, to the point Tony doesn't return my messages. When you do one stupid thing, it it, it leaves a bad taste on the entire show. And that's where I am with both of these companies. There's there's too much hokey, stupid stuff. Too much. The, the Miz completely enveloped by uh, zombies. Yeah, that 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 was not. By good. the way, his show is great. Have you ever seen his show? Oh yeah, Miz I watch and... Miz's show all the time. I love his wife. She's yeah. she's oh, well, a very attractive and yeah. b funny as all get out. Yeah, it's a good show. It's a good he, reality. He makes reality the show, show more than Miz does, uh, in my estimation. Well, uh, yeah, she does make the show. I agree with that. All right. Uh, well, if we have to, we'll get back to wrestling. But for now, we'll uh, jump over to football. We got, we got we got Ryan Kerrigan to talk about. That's what people tuned in for. Talk about presumably. timing. Talk about timing being everything in life. Uh, literally, we had just wrapped up the show yesterday. Yeah. And we usually shoot the breeze for three, four, five minutes after the show is over and done with. When we shut down the stream, we stay on the line. And as we're sitting here, two minutes after the show is over, John goes, uh-oh, hey, check this out. The Eagles have signed Ryan Kerrigan. I said, they couldn't do it like 20 minutes ago. They yeah. couldn't even make the announcement 20 minutes ago so we could have it for the last 10 minutes of the show. No, it came out and broke as soon as the show <laughs> ended yesterday. Uh, Johnny Mac, you know, you can attest to the fact that for a month now, I've yeah. been saying, I know the Eagles need to upgrade cornerback, and everybody is concentrating on cornerback. And I get why they're concentrating on cornerback. And we'll find out if Zach, don't call me Zach McPherson, is a capable starting cornerback as a fourth-round draft pick 
in his rookie year. But the Eagles have done very little to build their roster and or the confidence of their fan base that they're going to have enough warm bodies at cornerback. But in the meantime, in between time, you got some other holes on this football team. Positions that could use upgrading. I had mentioned that there were a couple of really solid resume-filled defensive ends that were still available. Two that I mentioned specifically were Melvin Ingram, formerly of the Chargers, and this Ryan Kerrigan guy from down the road in Washington who has done nothing but terrorize the Eagles for the last decade and make Lane Johnson's life that much more difficult. And I was wondering why the Eagles hadn't made moves on either of those two guys. Well, you never know what conversations are aren't being had off the record between agents and Howie Roseman. Well, we found out one came to fruition yesterday with Kerrigan signing a one-year deal with the Eagles. John is still working on trying to find the exact details of the contract. The best I've seen is upwards of $3.5 million. I don't know if that means that's a salary and he's got incentives that can earn him more or the incentives are very uh, obtainable and that that will get him to $3.5 million. I know you don't care. You just want to know how many sacks he's going to get. But the money is important in a salary cap world. So we will try and continue to investigate and see exactly how that is. I like him from a production standpoint. I don't hate paying him $3.5 million. I think the Eagles can and should be able to afford that. I'm a big fan of this signing. Johnny Mack, how about you? Um, I think it's a complicated signing. In a lot of ways, I don't think it makes sense. Uh, if you want to boil it down to uh, 2021, does he make him a better football team? Yes. Um, you know, but every indication this team has given you is this isn't only about 2021. In fact, it's more about 2022. And where the heck's Ryan Kerrigan going to be in 2022? I don't know. Um, but on the other hand, it's one of those deals that kind of fell into their lap. I think there's no question that Ryan was, you know, he understood at this stage of his career, he's going to be 33 in August, Jody. He understood he's going to get a one-year deal, but I'm pretty sure he's expecting, you know, seven, $8 million, basically twice as much as he got. The market wasn't there. Um, the Eagles just waited and waited and waited and waited. He couldn't get another deal. He felt comfortable on the East Coast for obvious reasons. They swoop in at the last minute and they're able to get a very cost-effective one-year contract for a guy who can still play. Now, he was productive. He he played a career low in snaps last year, but that had more to – remember where he was. That had more right. to do – that might be the most talented front in all of football, the Washington football team. So you have Chase Young, you have Montez Sweat. That's understandable. I've heard conflicting. He had numbers, five and a half sacks, five tackles for loss in, you know, about 38% of the snaps. That's really good production. You would think he'd play a little bit more here. But here's my concern, though, Jody. He, he's got, as I said, by the time the season rolls around, he's going to be 33. Brandon Graham's 33. Now, you can make a strong argument. You should be trying to find the heir apparent to Brandon Graham. You should be trying to figure out Derek Barnett and Josh Sweater, both on contract years. Are they going to be long-term fixtures of this team, or are you just going to move on after the season? And then you have all the young guys, whether it's the rookies, 
Teron Jackson, Patrick Johnson, Teron Jackson, uh, Patrick Johnson, uh, even guys who've been here like Joe Osman. You know, I'm not the one who called it a transition year. Jeffrey Lurie called it a transition year. So if it's a transition year, why are you going out getting the 33-year-old edge rusher to take snaps away from people you have to either evaluate or, or have to count on long term? That part I don't get about. From a pure football standpoint, this guy makes you a better team. And I think you bring up an astute point. They're not able to get a cornerback. You know, right. Steven Nelson's out there. He's 28 years old. He's probably going to command. His agent came out last week. Now, this might be hyperbole. In fact, I think it's hyperbole. He said 17 teams are interested. That means there's a market there. We'll see ultimately what he gets. Um, but I, I think he's going to get more than $3.5 million. And if you ask me who's a better football player, Ryan Kerrigan or Steven Nelson, I'm going to tell you Ryan Kerrigan 100 times uh, out of 100. Right. Um, so – Maybe that's your answer to fixing the quarterback position by getting to the quarterback, uh, cornerback position. Get to the quarterback. Because, Jody, if you look at this on, on third downs, you can kick Brandon Graham inside next to Fletcher, Fletcher Cox. You have Ryan Kerrigan on the outside with Derek Barnett or Josh Sweat, either one. On paper, that's that's pretty good. Here's the way I look at it. Um, uh, you and I are close to being on the same page, but not on the exact same page. Howie Roseman needs to do a juggling act at this stage of the season. Uh, his job is to try and make the Eagles a better football team in 2021. Not at the expense of 2022 or 2023, but if you're going to go younger, the guys have to earn it. They didn't use a first-round pick on an edge pass rusher or a second or a third. They just didn't. So anyone who was selected after that or signed as an undrafted free agent, to me, you've got to earn it. You've got to compete. Remember, let's not forget Nick Sirianni is all about competition. That's why I'm still very in intrigued by what Kerrigan's contract actually looks like. Um, sure that they came to an agreement and signed off and everybody was happy. They was putting on Eagle green to Kerrigan's credit put out there on social media. I probably haven't been one of your favorite players for the last decade, but I'm fired up to be a Philadelphia Eagle. So good job out of Kerrigan. Hey, made the best player play. And if that's Ryan Kerrigan, because none of those young guys you were referring to, uh, have been able to step up and outperform an old man, and you know what I mean when I say old man, old man in football terms, uh, which I were 33, but uh, that is long in the tooth on the defensive line in the National Football League. Real simple, beat them out. I'll work them in practice. Prove to the coaches you should be the guys getting reps on third down. If you can't, here's a seat on the bench for you. We're going to put Kerrigan in because he's going to get to the quarterback more often than you are. That's what I like. That's what I want to see. I don't want to see the complete restructuring of the Philadelphia Eagles going into a season. We lived through the tanking of the 76ers. I don't want to see the tanking of the Eagles. You got to try and win games and you're going to be packing the house again, getting all your Eagle fans back in there, filling the stadium. You don't want to see never pressuring the other team's quarterback. You want to have a fighting chance week in and week out. I think Kerrigan gives them that. 
Yeah, I mean, I think bottom line, it comes down to, as I said, something they that fell into their lap. You put more credence on Nick Sirianni's competition nonsense than I do. I'll be the first to say nonsense. that. Nonsense. Yeah, well, Brandon, Grant, Brandon Graham's not competing. Fletcher Cox isn't competing. Jason Kelsey's not competing. Lane Johnson's not competing. Um, unless you're talking about expectations, unless you're talking about their their previous history as as Pro Bowl level players, they might be competing against themselves. They might be competing against expectations from outside the building. Are they still the same player at this stage of their career? They're not competing with anybody inside the building. Devontae Smith is a first-round pick. He's not competing with anybody inside the building. Most top 10 picks in this league aren't competing with anybody. It's nonsense. I, I get why coaches say it, but it's coach speak. It is what it is. Where I do agree with you is he makes him a better team right now. Uh, but let's let's pretend. And, you know, a lot of people make the Chris Long comparison. Two things why I think it's wrong. One, I love Chris Long. Ryan Kerrigan was a much better player than Chris Long. Very true. Even though Chris Long. Ryan Kerrigan was a big time, is a big time pass rusher in this league for a decade all-time leader for a team with a pretty deep history, the Washington football team, leading sack man in that entire franchise's history. Uh, you mentioned he's known as an Eagles killer, 13 and a half sacks against the Eagles. Guess what? He had 13 against the Giants. He had 13 and a half versus the Cowboys or vice versa. He does it against everybody. It's not just the filled up Eagles. Lane Johnson loves him, says he's one of the toughest guys he's got to block. All this is good. I got a lingering suspicion, though. Chris was, you know, Ryan was was better than Chris post Eagles. I don't know if 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 Ryan is going to be better than Chris on the Eagles, and maybe that just has to do with tread on the tire. He played a lot. Uh, he 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 did in Washington. Um, you know, there was one pro scout, anonymous, of course, that said he doesn't have much left. But that doesn't concern me because guys can have different opinions. What concerns me is the contract. Like, why? There are 31 other teams in this league, and they all need pass rushers. Why is he out there in mid-May? Why is he only getting $3.5 million? That's what concerns me. Um, I don't know. It's a big name. People love big names. I don't, I don't know if it fits for the reasons I said before where this team is, and we'll see how much he has left in the tank. But the second part of that is, Jody, best-case scenario, he plays well. He gets to the quarterback 10 times. Well, he's going somewhere else next year. So, I mean, maybe it gets you from seven to nine wins. Maybe that's good. Maybe you're in it. Maybe it helps. But I think you have bigger issues long term. And that's the difficult balancing act we talked about with Randy Mueller when he was on the show. You got to balance that. And it's hard to do. It is. But I'll give Howie credit because I think he took a step in the right direction in one of the directions they got to go. You're right. They kind of have to balance it and split directions. If you serve one master with one move, you got to serve the other master with another move. Um, and I think Howie has actually done okay at that. This offseason still needs to upgrade cornerback, uh, given, check, do that, Howie. Um, but here's where I'm going to cut Nick Sirianni a little bit more slack than apparently you are. 
the whole competition thing, when he says everyone, and that's the term that he used, everyone is competing. You're right. There are some guys on this team that aren't competing. Fletcher Cox isn't competing mm -hmm. for playing time or his job. That's not happening. But uh, rather than take him as literal as everyone, here's what I think he's saying in part, and I got to agree with him. How many guys are there that are unquestioned going to be getting their 75, 80, 90% of the snaps on the offensive line? It's more like 100. They play every snap. But on the defense, they shuttle guys in and out, specifically the lines and like. How many guys do the Eagles really have in those positions this year? We can go through them real quickly. Uh, offensive line, all right, there are plenty. Defensive line, Fletcher. Brandon. Uh, Brandon is going to play his usual number, but he doesn't play every down. He's no, not like a hundred percent guy. That's a rotational position everywhere. And I mean, that's what I mean. But I mean, he's a starter. I'm talking about starters. So, like running back is a rotational position, but Miles Sanders is is the starter. He's not competing against anybody. Jalen Hurts is the starter. We can go down the list. Uh, the offensive line from left to right, four of the five spots are are cemented. Nobody's competing. Uh, wide receiver, which is supposed to be one of the worst positions on the team, two of the three, no competition. No competition at tight end. Uh, on, 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 on the defensive how, line. How many, how many, what percentage of snaps is Jalen Reagan going to play this year? Well, you're talking about rotational positions, Jody. In other words, you're talking about offensive line. Well, if, if you tell if, me two out of three are playing, then it's a rotation of one. Well, no, you play because of the position. You generally play four or five receivers throughout the season. You're not going to play 100% of the snaps like you are on the offensive line. There are certain positions in the NFL. Forget about the Eagles. If you go to other cities, pick a city. Demarcus Lawrence, he doesn't play 100% of the snaps because he's a defensive lineman. Offensive lineman in Dallas, they play 100% of the snaps. Uh, line, uh, wide receivers in Dallas, they're great. They don't play 100% of the snaps. They're all awesome. It's a rotational position. So if you're going to put the standard at 100%, you can argue competition, but that's literal. Those guys are starters. Amari Cooper's entrenched. C.D. Lamb's entrenched. Michael Gallup's entrenched. I, I mean, there are rotational right. And that's positions. why I'm saying eagle wide receiver position is one that's – in competition because they're going to compete for who's going to get that percentage. Devontae of the and reps. Jalen are going to play. That's why I say it's lip service. They are going to be two of the top. You can put it in pen, barring injury. They're going to be two of the top three receivers on this team. Simple period. End of sentence. There is no competition. Okay. Well, I, I hope that uh, other guys at the wide receiver put pressure on them. I think Devonta's going to play uh, upwards of 85% of the snaps, but Jalen Rager's got a little something to prove, at least for me this year. All right, so you got some good McMullen-McDonald-generated uh, opinion to get it going. Let's add to it. We've got a good guest scheduled to join us. Uh, Eagle fans, you know him. He's on WIP as part of the Eagles pregame show. Uh, does games for Westwood One. Uh, contributor on Odyssey's NFL insider stuff. Ross Tucker, former NFL lineman, is going to join us next right here on Birds 365.
If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fot. What's that? Huck and Fot. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. In the Wildwoods, our free beaches are spacious and welcoming with plenty of room to spread out. Your seat will be waiting for you when you're ready to visit. The Wildwoods, creating cherished family memories for generations. Jody Mack, the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. Welcome back, guys, here on Birds 365. Thanks for tuning in, Eagle fans. Uh, our next guest, and you see a smiling face right there, uh, is all over the place. Does the Eagles pregame show on WIP. Uh, he's got his own podcast, Rod Tucker Podcast. Does games for Westwood One, NFL Insider for Odyssey. And damn, I see him. He's already commenting on the stream. There's a guy that participates. Ross Tucker joins us here on Birds 365. How are you, Russ? Jody Mack, I am fired up, man. Hey, listen, I, I say it all the time. I'll say it here. When I talk Eagles, it's like not work. <laughs> it's amazing. You know, this is what I grew up doing. So pretty cool to be able to talk with you guys and obviously doing the Eagles preseason games as well. They'll be here before you know it, man. I'm glad we still have at least three. I love doing those games. And there will be a lot of intrigue for those preseason games this year. 
Yeah, and full stadiums, Ross. That's got to excite you to to not do it in an antiseptic environment in a big $2 billion TV studio. It'd be nice to get the fans back in the building. It looks like we're on track for that. Yeah, I, I can't wait, man. It, it was weird last year. I got to tell you, I really thought I would end up maybe doing zero games. I didn't know what was going to happen. I ended up getting a chance to do 13 college games for CBS and then 14 NFL games for West on the radio side. But being inside stadiums without a single soul in there, it's bizarre. I mean, I think the first game I did was like Giants-Browns maybe. It was a Monday night game. And it felt like I was at a JV high school scrimmage. Yeah. Like – I could hear everything they were saying down on the field, you know, and even you get cues, right? When there's a big sack yeah. or a fumble yeah, yeah. from the crowd, you get the roar, the raw. You can, there, there were no cues from the crowd. It was, it was. By really, the way, uh, Ross, I miss because I'm. I get to the stadium early, as you know. Yes, and. The only one there before me, not the only one, but is Ross Tucker. So there's a hard worker right there. You know why? So there's a couple of things, John. Number one, I despise traffic. Same here. So I like to get there early. Secondly, I always have other work I need to be working on. And I'm there for the WIP pregame show, which starts three hours before the game. But I want to get some of the food. I want to get a Philly pretzel. (laughs) And I want to get that diet Snapple they have. I want to get – so before the WIP show starts three hours before the game – I get there four hours before. Usually, I've made friends with the cafeteria staff at the link. <laughs> They'll usually hook me up with breakfast before they put it out for everybody else because I got to eat before that three-hour WIP yeah, show. Man. I, I got to eat. I hear you. It, been there, done that. Uh, pre-game shows start very early, uh, so you need to get there early as well. All right, let me follow up with something you said, boss, talking about doing a game with no fans there and how weird it was for you. It's got to be the same thing for the players last year when they were playing without anyone in the stands. You got to witness it and see the reaction and how the players handled it. You probably had a chance to talk to some, not many, via Zoom. You saw a clip here or there, someone else asking the questions. How big a deterrent do you think it was for the players last year to have to be able to get through that? Hopefully we're back to close to normal this year with close to 100% attendance. Uh, You knew, you recognized it just made your work and your life different by doing it in front of an empty stadium. How did it work for the players? So it was bizarre, but on some level, they kind of got used to it after a few weeks. However, late in the year, when some of the stadiums were able to have five, 10,000 people, what I heard from the guys was they were surprised how loud five or 10,000 people can be when you're used to zero for the whole season. You know, I mean, uh, there was a game where Cleveland had 15, 20,000 people and that place was rocking late in the year. The other thing that's weird, guys, that people don't realize when you're actually inside those white lines, I'm telling you, you don't really hear anything. Like, you're, you're so focused in on what you're doing, you really hear the roar of the crowd after the play or maybe before the play. But once, like, that ball is snapped, 
you don't hear anything. It's it's hard to explain. It's like you're you're in this your own little world. In the zone. Well, let's uh, okay. Let's go in between the lines, Ross, because Eagles made a big move, at least as big as you can make, probably in mid-May at, at this stage. You get a veteran pass rusher like Brian Kerrigan, who's done it at a high level for a very long time in this league. You know how much Lane Johnson respects Ryan Kerrigan. How much can a player like that at this stage of his career help this Eagles defense? Well, it's interesting, John, because I wrote on Twitter yesterday, at Ross Tucker NFL, I thought this was a statement signing by the Philadelphia Eagles. And, of course, all the Twitter trolls were like, oh, yeah, what's a statement? You know, that they're washed up like Kerrigan, blah, 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 right? No, here's what I mean by that, okay? We know that the owner, Jeffrey Lurie, has talked about it being a transition year. I think some people have taken that to mean the Eagles are not trying to win this year. Nothing could be further from Mm -hmm. the truth. And you could look at the signings of Anthony Harris at safety or Eric Wilson at linebacker and say, okay, They needed those guys. Like, they needed a linebacker. They needed a safety. Okay. They didn't need Kerrigan, John. They did not need Kerrigan. Now, it's a transition year. New quarterback, new head coach, stockpiling picks for 2022. They got rid of a lot of salary cap pain this year. So, in that way, it is a transition year. But the Kerrigan signing shows me They are conceding nothing, absolutely nothing. They believe they can compete and win the division this year. And I got to be honest with you, I don't blame them. I don't disagree with them. Look, Carson was very good for four years. Very good. Really enjoy him as a person, the way he played. He was terrible last year. I mean, he was arguably the worst quarterback in the NFL. You look at the sacks, you look at the interceptions. If Jalen Hurts is the 27th best quarterback in the NFL, the Eagles are much better. You just can't be last. You can't be the worst. If he just doesn't throw those picks or have those sacks, I think right now, uh, with you look at their offensive and defensive lines, I think they're around a 500 ball club, which won't happen, by the way. They're 17 games, but you know what I'm saying. Nine and eight, eight and nine. And I don't look at any any team in the NFC East as being significantly better than that. I think they're all kind of in that same mix. The Kerrigan move shows to me the Eagles really do believe that even though this is a transition year, they can still win that division again. Right. Take their shot in the NFC East. It was last year. It could be again this year. All right, let me take you to that quarterback position. It's a unique situation, and here's what I mean by that. We've seen quarterbacks being in position for one year, like Andy Dalton is the quarterback of the Bears. We don't even know if that's going to last an entire year, but the coaching staff is standing behind it. He's our starting quarterback. You bring in a veteran guy, might not be at the top of his game anymore, and you know he's a transitional quarterback, a bridge quarterback is another word that's used often. Jalen Hurts is different. He's still a young guy, but most people are speculating that he's going to be the quarterback for this year. We don't know about next year yet. They're not making any multi-year commitment to Jalen Hurts. It's a one-year kind of prove-it situation. If you buy into that philosophy, 
Is it better for Jalen Hurts? Because, hey, step up. You know what you have to accomplish. There's a job to be grabbed here. Go ahead and grab it, and he'll be very motivated by it and ready and pumped to play every single week. Or is it just too pressurized that young quarterbacks are given time to develop? And if you have an off year, so be it. Well, it'll be improved the year after. How's it going to play for Jalen Hurts knowing that this is very much a big one-year show-it-to-me type season? Well, I mean, Jody Mack, if, if he doesn't perform well because he, it's too pressurized, then he's not the guy. I mean, we've seen too many rookies playing well recently. Burrow last year. Herbert was awesome last year. Tua was up and down. You know, this is Jalen's second year now. And he's going to get all the reps this spring, all the reps in training camp. I think he's got a better team around him than other people do. I mean, look, the offensive line, if Brandon and Lane stay healthy, it's a top 10 O-line all day. You have Miles Sanders. I like some of the running backs they've picked up, like Kenny Gainwell. Dallas Goddard is a top 10 tight end. The receivers are a question mark. We know that, but that's why they drafted Devontae Smith. This is not an offense that's bereft of talent for Hurts. You know, what I think is a concern, Jody Mack, at least from my perspective, what if Hurts is just okay? You know, like if he's good, awesome, awesome. Hurts is good. He's the next McNabb or whatever. You use the draft picks to make the team awesome around him. If he's bad, okay, that's a bummer, but then we'll use the draft picks for a kid next year or Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, whatever. What if he's right in the middle? You know, like that's yeah. that's the thing I keep thinking about. You, you almost, you'd almost rather have clarity one way or the other. I, I happen to think he's going to play pretty well, but I'm not letting him have any built-in excuses, Jody Mack. Look, situations in the NFL are rarely perfect, right? You have to rise above and take advantage of the opportunity. Not many mid-second round picks get the opportunity Jalen Hurts is getting this year. You know, it's interesting you bring that up, Ross, because I've said a similar type of thing. When I speculate about Jalen Hurts and how he plays, I think to myself, okay, what can he do to prove to this team that he is the starter moving forward? Because they have so many draft assets. They're going to have so much money. In theory, there's going to be veteran quarterbacks available. You mentioned 27th. If he's 27th best in the league, the Eagles are going to be better. Well, he's got to be better than that. But hes I think he's even got to be better than middle of the road because you know better than anybody, Ross, what this franchise thinks about quarterbacks. They always want the star quarterback, the quarterback factory. So if you're middle of the road, that's almost like NFL purgatory. I always use Kirk Cousins as, as a measuring stick, probably unfair. But that's a good quarterback. Is he good enough, though? I, you you want to get into that top 10 range, which the Eagles once had with Carson Wentz. Is anything less than that acceptable? Yeah, so I would disagree, John. I would say if you have a top 20 quarterback in the NFL, I believe you can win a Super Bowl with that guy, and I think you hold on to him for dear life because it is 
it is hard to get a top 20 guy and to have them. You know, there's a lot of teams that have had bottom five, bottom eight, bottom 10 quarterbacks for a long time. I would agree with you that 27th best quarterback for Jalen Hurts this year is not good enough. I would submit to you, if he's the 18th best in the NFL this year, in his first year as a starter, his first year in a new system with Nick Sirianni, his second year in the league, then you continue to roll with that guy. Unless you can get a deal done to get a top five guy like a Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson. But I would challenge you guys, go through and actually rank all 32 quarterbacks. Yeah. You would take the top 20 guys. Like you, you would be like, okay, you really look at who's 18, 19, 20 minutes. Some of the guys in the teens are really good players. Let me throw you guys out some numbers for Jalen Hurts. I just happened to jot these down earlier today. And this is pure guesstimation on what kind of numbers Jalen Hurts uh, could put up this year. This past year, he hit 52% of his passes through six touchdowns, through four interceptions, had a 77 and change quarterback ranking. Let me project these numbers for Jalen Hurts. Let's say he starts all 16 games, stays healthy, plays 15 out of 16. Let's say he throws for about 3,200 yards. Last year was 1,000, but he only played four games. So uh, projecting 31 and change, 3,200, not outrageous. Uh, let's say he throws about 16 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. Last year was 6-4, and four, so that should be doable. His average per yard throw last year was 7.2. Let's say he doesn't even achieve that. Let's say he goes about 6.2, and he has that quarterback ranking right there at about, oh, not even 77 like last year. Let's say 74. Is that going to be good enough for the Eagles to say, yeah, he's our quarterback, we're going to give him another year? Depends how and when, Jody Mack. If he starts off poorly and then finishes strong with the numbers you just gave me, then they might have something to think about. If he starts off pretty good and then struggles towards the end with the numbers you just gave me, they'll move on. It really does depend on the timing. Now, just the way you laid it out there, if he has 16 touchdown passes, 14 interceptions, I don't know that that's going to cut yeah. it. Not with the Eagles having three first-round picks. Here's the reason why I gave you those numbers. Um, You probably didn't recognize them. Those are Carson Wentz's numbers from his rookie year. And if he comes out and reproduces what Carson Wentz did, no one was talking about moving away from Carson Wentz when he put up those numbers as his rookie year. And I know he was the second pick in the draft and Jalen Hurts was the second-round pick, and that's a different with expectations. But production's production. Yeah, if but he's no, going to do but, exactly what Carson did, why shouldn't he get the same treatment that Carson did? I'll tell you why. There's there's two reasons. Number one, this is Jalen's second year. It was Wentz's rookie year. Jalen will get all the reps in training camp. Carson wasn't even supposed to start. No. It was going to be Bradford until the Vikings stupidly traded a first-round pick yeah. for Sam Bradford. Carson wasn't even supposed to – and then, by the way – Carson, like, got hurt in the preseason that year. He wasn't even supposed to play, okay? Meanwhile, and and maybe just as importantly, they didn't have three first-round picks Carson's second year, J-Mac. They have three first-round picks. They're in a different ballgame 
in terms of the resources they have that they can use. Look, here's the reality, okay? I'm just telling all the Eagles fans that are, I'm hitting you guys up right now on the chat. You guys hit me up at Ross Tucker NFL or YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. I am just telling you, one year from now, the Eagles will have a franchise quarterback. It will either be Jalen Hurts, a veteran like Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, or Russell Wilson, or they will have drafted a kid in April in the top 10. Now, he might stink. We don't know that. But my point is, there will be no discussion. When you guys have me on Birds 365 a year from now, there won't be any be like, who should be the quarterback? No, no, no. We'll Mm. all know who the quarterback is for 2022 and 2023. We'll already know that one way or the other a year from now. All right, Ross, I've taken way too long to get into offensive line with you. Obviously, a former NFL offensive lineman, also a smart guy from Princeton. So I always get intimidated when there's an Ivy League guy in the room. Nonetheless, if Jalen Hurts succeeds, I think it's going to be because of that offensive line. You mentioned if Lane Johnson is healthy, these are big ifs. These are aging players. Brandon Brooks with injury history. Jason Kelsey, we all know, toughest guy in the world, plays through everything, but at some point it's going to catch up to him. Even Isaac Sayamalo, and we'll, we'll talk about left tackle as well in a bit. I know you're a big Jordan Mailata guy. I still think they're going to give an opportunity to Andre Dillard. Either way, whoever wins that job, if they're out there, for 16 games or close to it, that's a top 10 offensive line. If you can block people, you got a good chance to win in this league. Is that the path to Jalen Hurts' success? Well, and not only that, I would be stunned if the Eagles didn't have a top 10 O-line and D-line. There, You know, I hear some of these people acting like the Eagles are going to win five or six games. Show me the last team were the top 10 O-line and D-line that was that bad. I, I would lo- I'd love to see it, okay? Now, we don't know about Lane's ankle, Brandon coming back from the Achilles. We don't, we don't know that stuff. But based on what they have right now, it's top 10 O-line all day. And if my boy Mylotta, and you guys remember what I said about him, his rookie year during the preseason games, I could not believe – I'm telling you – This guy could be a weapon, an absolute weapon. Some of the stuff he does to people, you just can't do. I mean, like, he's that big and that athletic. He's still not there yet. I hope they give him every rep this spring, every rep this summer. It sounds like they're going to have him compete with Dillard. And look, Dillard deserves a chance as well. I just, from my perspective, I want my lot of getting as many reps as possible. I think he, I still think he can be a Pro Bowl caliber player when I see some of the things he's capable of physically and what he does. So now you've got potential Pro Bowl at left tackle, every year Pro Bowl at center, Pro Bowl right guard, Pro Bowl right tackle, and say Amalo's fine. Who has that? Who, who else has that? And then on the D-line, Hargrave, Fletcher Cox. They can rotate some of these guys inside a little bit. Brandon Graham can play in there. They go four deep at D-end. Their top 10 O-line and D-line 
Look, even people that hate the Eagles, forget me, right? I'm the Eagles preseason guy or whatever. Even people that hate the Eagles will admit their top 10 O-line, D-line all day. And by the way, potentially top five O-line and D-line. I agree with you on the offensive line. Defensive line, I think that's a little optimistic. But uh, I want to go back to the offensive line, the left tackle spot. Um, you're my lot of guy. Uh, certainly well acknowledged what you just said. I haven't given up <laughs> on Dillard. And I kind of trust Nick Sirianni a little bit more than my co-host does on this whole competition thing. Oh, yeah. I'm good with a competition at left, left tackle. Made the best man win. Both of them are still young enough that you can say, hey, you get the reps you get. We're not going to commit to one and give him all the reps and uh, put the load on him to prove that he's worth it. The other guy's got to fight to it. Started as a dead, flat, even competition. Made the best man win between Dillard and Mylotta. That's the way I think it should work. Do you not think Sirianni's going to go down that road, uh, boss? No, I think he will. And, I, you know, the thing is, is I, I was really impressed with some of the things Dillard did in camp and in the preseason games as a rookie. You know, he's got really nice feet. He's silky smooth. He just really struggled with power. And it's not like, like this isn't like Little League football, right? Or Little League baseball where it's like, oh, Johnny can't hit a curveball, so don't throw him curveballs. No, no, like if you can't hit a curveball, they throw you a curveball every single time. Dillard could not stop the bull rush. And, you know, he put on some weight. I don't really think that's the answer. I think the answer, and this is like a little inside baseball here, close the distance. Jump that mother sucker. You know what I mean? Like you don't, you don't drop back and sit. You go attack him. He's really quick. He's got really good feet. I would love – I mean, look, Jeff Stoutland's a great O-line coach. I love Stoutland. But I wouldn't have told him to put on weight. I, there's plenty of O-tackles that are 300, 305 pounds. I mean, look, try to get stronger, sure. But go hit that guy. Go attack him. He, he's got initial quickness. He's got really good feet. He's smooth. He just struggled with power and on some level struggled with the physicality of the NFL. Look, if you're the first-round pick, they're coming to try to kill you. Like, <laughs> that's, a, that's, a thing, that's the thing that cracks me up. Totally different story. But I think it cracks me up about Tebow. Right, like Tebow playing tight end in Jacksonville. Yeah. This isn't like – like, the other guys don't look at him like, wow, that's Tim Tebow. He won the Heisman. They're 23-year-olds from Podunk, Mississippi – who think it's hilarious, they're going to yeah. get a chance to kill Tim Tebow in, in person. <laughs> like, that, like, they can't wait. They're like, oh, my gosh, I yeah. watched this guy play when I was nine. Now I'm going to light him. That He's going to try to block me. Yeah. I'm going to go smash his face mask through his nose. <laughs> now, Ross, you know, the Eagles knew that about Dillard. It was the Everson Griffin game. Uh, I think it was Robert Quinn with the Cowboys at the time that really lit him up as a rookie, and it was that bull rush. He looked better in training camp, tore his biceps. Uh, obviously, Ted Rath was working with him. But I want to throw a curveball at you with my Lada. It, and it's a little bit of counterintuitive, but he proved he can play both sides, right tackle, left tackle. You, you know how important it is to have a swing tackle on game day. 
when they asked Dillard to move over to the right side, it was a disaster. Um, when you look how you build your team, how you build your offensive line, in some ways does it hurt Mylotta to be so versatile because he can be the backup tackle. And you know how much Jeff Stoutland hates moving parts. So if, in other words, if he's got to move Mylotta from left tackle to right tackle in game and then put a Dillard, he's affecting two spots where if you start Dillard and then you just have the swing tackle. Does it make sense? Yeah, so I think that's only the case, John, if it's dead even, which it very rarely is, right? Like, if my lot is marginally better, they put him at left and either have Dillard learn how to play right, or if something happens to Lane, they can bump my lot over and Dillard can go in at left. Not ideal, but it happens if Dillard really can't play right. But let me just say this. If you're Dillard and you and you really can't play right, you better be really good at left. You better be really good at left. They they just don't they just don't keep guys in the NFL like that that can only back up one spot. Just doesn't happen. So you better really be good at left if you if you can't find a way to play right. I would submit to you, I still think both those guys have pretty high ceilings. I mean, Mylata's got the highest ceiling of any O line product. I mean. He never played the game, the entire sport, till three years ago. And last year, he did some really impressive things. Still had some issues, but some really impressive things. His, my lot is just consistency and reps. Dillard's just power. That, I mean, that's, that's going to be the whole training camp. Has Dillard solved his issues against power? And can my lot do it consistently and get the reps? So some of the stuff with Milada, he just hasn't seen it. Some of the stunts, some of the some of the things, he just hasn't seen it. And I don't think them bouncing him back and forth the last couple of years has helped in that regard. But if you're not going to be the starter, you got to be able to play both. I, guys, I got time at all five spots in my career. All five. Jack of all trades, master of none. It's hard to master one when you're the look. The reality is, if you're really good. Or if I was really good, they would have just left yeah. me at one of them. Yeah. But I wasn't. So I had to know how to play all of them. Let me uh, give you one last question, keeping it on the offensive side, and that's the running back position. Um, we've talked a lot about Miles Sanders and the home run ability that he brings on every snap. But he also had some deficiencies in his game last year, out of the backfield, picking up the blocking. Uh, wasn't a great all-around back a guy you want to get the football in his hands and hopefully have him make a big play, but also can annoy some teammates and quarterbacks and coaches because he doesn't hold down all his responsibilities. Why should we have faith that he'll keep that home run ability this year, but improve in the areas where he needs improvement because of the coaching change? Is there a reason to believe that? Yeah, because he did it well as a rookie. That's the thing, Jody Matt. He was so good out of the backfield as a rookie. I don't know what happened last year. I mean, it didn't seem like he and Wentz were on the same page. He had some weird drops. Uh, if, if he hadn't shown to be such a competent receiver out of the backfield as a rookie, I would say to you, Jody Mack, nah, I, I don't know. I don't know what to do there. You, you might be right. But he already showed he could do it. And I don't know what happened last year, 
but I'm quite sure that that's going to be a big part of what they do. They want to be able to give Hertz those easy completions. The reality is usually the best matchup in football these days is your running back against their linebacker. Your running back against their linebacker, which is one of the reasons why I still can't believe Kenny Gainwell went in the fifth round. I mean, I, the guy runs routes like a receiver. Yeah. He's really good at it. And these linebackers are not going to be able to check him when they put him in. That I, I still have opted out. That's the only that. reason, Ross. Yeah, he opted out. That's pretty much the only reason he went in the fifth round. That was great value. Last one for me, follow Ross at Ross Tucker NFL right on the screen there. Twitter at Ross Tucker Pod, best in the business. He's everywhere. All to see Westwood one. Eagles preseason. I'm gonna get to see. Ross in the press box getting that early breakfast, hopefully, this year. Uh, I haven't mentioned Landon Dickerson, Ross. I have not mentioned him. I saw him last week at rookie camp. Guy's a monster. 6'6", 300 pounds. We've been talking about this offensive line. Um, It's top 10 already. Look, he's not ready towards ACL in the SEC championship game, but that kid can play. Where do you project him long-term? Is he the heir apparent to Jason Kelsey, or do you think he'll be better suited at guard? Because he's six foot six. Yeah, so I think they're going to let that sort itself out, depending on how much longer Kelsey wants to play and how Brandon comes back from his second torn Achilles. I would submit to you the body type there aren't a lot of centers like that. Yeah. There just aren't. You know, you can have a center like that, John. You just ask him to do different things. You're not going to ask him to pull out on the edge all the time like you do with Kelsey. You're not, it's just, you're not going to have a guy that's 6'6, 330 doing the same thing as a guy that's 6'3, 290. It just, they're going to play the position differently. However, you can have a little bit more power a little bit more pop at the point of attack. There are other things you can do. You can be stout in the middle and not have the the pocket get pushed. But my guess is it will declare itself based on what happens with Brandon Brooks and Jason Kelsey. You see a little Ryan Jensen with Dickerson, like that bully type who just intimidates people, beats people up a little bit. So – Ryan Jensen is my favorite player in the NFL. <laughs> and Landon Dickerson was my favorite player in the draft because they play the game the way it should be played. You know, I, I don't miss the camaraderie with the guys. I miss the money, but not that much. I miss the violence. <laughs> I miss trying oh. to kill dudes. That's what's fun. You can't do that anymore. I'm 42. I coach my daughter's softball, but every once in a while when I'm driving around my car, I just daydream about someone like pushing my wife in a bar and me just being uh, like, I just, (laughs) I miss being able to hit people as hard as I could. That's what's fun. It's hilarious. You run around lighting people up. That's why I love Jensen. That's why I love Dickerson. I am praying he stays healthy. Because if he does, I'm telling you right now, he is going to be an Eagles fan favorite. He's like a combo 
Jason Kelsey, John Runyon platter. How about that? How about that if he stays healthy? Now I'm actually scared because we know Ross Tucker is one of the hardest working men in the entire business, but he just gave us his love of violence. I think he's going out <laughs> to a Wawa to just drop somebody when he finishes up his spot here. He's not a big Wawa fan. He's a Sheets guy. We've had this argument before. He's going to go get a coffee. I just hope nobody bleeds after he gets that coffee. We got through it unscathed other than the insight that uh, certainly Ross brought to the table. Appreciate you hopping on board with us, buddy. You know we're going to have you back again down the road. Thanks for hopping on with us today. Yeah, two things. Number one, my pleasure. I love chatting with all of your uh, viewers. Awesome. And tomorrow, John, make sure you note this. Tomorrow, I've got Andrew Brary, the Browns GM, Andrew on the Ross Tucker podcast. And I asked him if he still thinks – Howie is the best GM in the NFL. So you get, you'll, I think you'll be interested to hear what he says on tomorrow's Ross Tucker podcast. Check out Looking Ross. forward to it. I love Andrew, by the way. I think he's doing a great job. He's doing a, I mean, I think the Browns have a, a, are legitimate Super Bowl contenders. I'm happy for him. Exactly right. Ross, great stuff. Thanks. Check out his podcast. Check him out on WIP, Eagle Pregame. Yeah, we're doing pregames. Uh, uh, preseason shows again this year with the Eagles playing three preseason games. Ross will be part of that. Thanks for being part of Birds 365. Love it. See you guys. Ross Tucker Thanks, here Ross. with us. Uh, John McMullen, Jody McDonald. We got an hour in the books. We got an hour left to play. Keep it right here. Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. 
In the Wildwoods, our free beaches are spacious and welcoming with plenty of room to spread out. Your seat will be waiting for you when you're ready to visit. The Wildwoods, creating cherished family memories for generations. Jody Mack, the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. John McMullen, I'm Jody McDonald. That would make us Mac and Mac, and that makes this Birds 365 here on the Jacobs Media Channel. Uh, we're going to stick around for another hour. Coming up this hour, it's crossover week here on uh, Birds 365 and the rest of Jacob Media Channel uh, personalities. First up today is John's buddy, John's pal, his numero uno amigo, Aton Shander who you've hinted at kind of likes to pimp you when he gets on his show. Uh, We should have some fun with Aton. He's going to join us coming up about 20 minutes from now. Uh, Tomorrow we'll get H. Mays from the middle on as well. Harry Mays is going to hop on with us this week. So we're going to do a couple crossover spots with the guys from the middle. We've already had Barrett on plenty, so we needed to do the right thing to get Harry and Aton on. We'll do that this week. Uh, Looking forward to talking to Aton coming up about 20 minutes from now. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Thank Russ Talker immensely. Uh, Russ Tucker for coming on with us. Uh, gives a solid half hour of his uh, time and his insight. I knew ahead of time he was a Mylotta guy. I yeah. had forgotten oh, yeah. how big a Mylotta guy oh, my. he was. Him and Baldy. Him and Baldy from day one. Where, you know, I joke, had Jordan, you know, getting, and that's a big gold jacket, by the way. Six, eight, <laughs> eight, 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 eight. They had him get, look, the guy has got tremendous, tremendous physical gifts. And I think what, what Ross said about he's, he, he can do things to other people that people can't do. The problem is he started from literally ground zero. Didn't even know how to put on a helmet. His first practice, I was there. He had no idea how to play professional football. So, you know, some people have speculated maybe that's better. You can build him up with good habits. There's no bad habits he learned at the the high school or college level. You know, Jeff Stoutland is a tough guy. Anybody who's ever met Jeff, I mean, he's not grading on a curve. So he's not saying, oh, great, big guy, uh, when, when he makes a good play. He's always harping on the consistency, just what Ross said, um, and that's not there yet. Uh, understandably so. I mean, if you want to put a highlight film together of Jordan Mailata's best blocks, you're going to think you have Quentin Nelson. But if you go to that low light tape, um, it's not good, and that's the problem. You got to. You, you got to figure out how to eliminate as many as the bad plays as possible 
and tap into that natural athletic gifts because he's he's got he's got a ton of them. And as talented as he is, and as uh, highlight real plays as he may have made, I, I meant <laughs> what I said when I asked the question. The way that I asked the question, I'm not giving up on Andre Dillard. No, either are they. And I'm glad to hear that. I know Ross a big fan. I really do hope that is an open competition. I thought your point of the fact that uh, my lot has showed much more of an ability to transfer to the other side. I, I, I understand that you're putting together a roster, you're making decisions, and flexibility can be part of it and probably should be part of it. But I hope that it's not here. It's the starting left tackle position that we've gotten to. As far as I know, we're not bringing back the guy who's played that position for the last decade. Jason Peters is, at least at this moment, Jeff Lloyd could jump in at any second, out of the Eagles' plans for left tackle. So one of these two youngsters is going to take over the key offensive line spot. Made the best man win. Let him compete it out. Give it to the guy who earns it and deserves it. Certainly, you don't go rotational on the offensive line. Somebody's going to win the job, and the other guy's going to be a backup, plain and simple. Sorry to the loser. You had a fair and honest shot to win the position. I'm good with either one. If Dylan wins, I'm going to be good with that. I'm not going <clears> to <throat> lament the fact that Jordan Mailata's got more physical gifts. No, no. Best man wins. If Mailata wins, I don't care that they use the first-round pick on Andre Dillon. I just want it to be a flat-out fair competition for the left tackle spot. Whoever wins the job, stick them in there and let's go. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of the theme we had uh, before Ross came on. We're talking about this competition. And here's a case where I think there is going to be a competition. But even that, Jody, I mean, there are things about this league that are real. And Andre's a first-round pick. Now, look, this this coaching staff didn't take him in the first round. They have no skin in the game. So maybe some of that luster is off. But Howie Roseman wants him to succeed. So that's a real part of this. I mentioned... You know, Ross lasted, I think, seven years in this league by doing what he said. He played every position, you know, because he was a backup offensive lineman. He had to. Andre Diller's a first-round pick who can only play left tackle. He's got to play left tackle. That will factor into this. And I don't know if Nick Sirianni's going to make that decision, to be honest. It might be Howie Roseman. I'd say we got to play Andre Diller to left tackle. And you fill in from there. Jordan is a versatile is a more versatile player. That's why I brought that up with Ross. That's how it figures in as a backup in this league. Now, ultimately, if he falters at that point, Andre Dillard, then you can go to Jordan Mailata, and then you know, uh, okay, it's over. Let's raise the white flags. But all this plays into that competition, Jody. And that's that is my cynicism. And maybe I've been a reporter too long. But when people talk about let the best man win, it's rarely let the best man win in this league. Right. And there are only going to be so many competitions for the Eagle positions this year. That is one of the key ones. And I think that is one where they should, in my opinion, should be starting flat out 50-50. Neither one with an advantage. I don't care that Dillard uh, was drafted uh, that much higher than my lotta. I don't care that my lotta might have more physical gifts and does give you flexibility. No, 
let it be made the best man win the left tackle position. That's why I hope it uh, works out. Although they are saying there's a quarterback competition, we all know and believe there is no quarterback competition. It's going to be Jalen Hurts' job. That's why I threw those numbers out to both you and to Ross. Carson Wentz's numbers from his rookie year. I get it. It's not Jalen Hurts' rookie year. And I get it that Jalen Hurts is going to have more prep time in the regulars, in the preseason to get ready for his first year starting. The thing that was the same between the two is first year as a starter in the National Football League at the beginning of the year. Carson Wentz did as a rookie. Jalen Hurts is going to do it as a second-year player. We saw what Carson's numbers were. They weren't off the charts great. They weren't overwhelming by any stretch of the imagination. And then after he got his first year under his belt, we know what he came back and did in his second year, MVP-like numbers. Uh, I'm just wondering, will Jalen Hurts be given the same grading curve? If his accomplishments are similar, comparable to what Carson Wentz did in his rookie year, will that earn Jalen Hurts that second year to show that he is, uh, I thought Ross said, said it well, um, you want to believe that in 2022, the Eagles are going to have a franchise quarterback, be it either Jalen Hurts because he's been that good and put his stamp on it and said it's my job, or that they traded for a guy who's already established as a franchise quarterback with another NFL team, or yes, they've used the top five pick and they're going to do exactly what they did with Carson Wentz, just hand the job to him. Yes, the Eagles are going to have a franchise quarterback in position 2022. Will the type of year that Carson Wentz had be enough for Jalen Hurts to be that guy in 2022? No, it won't. It, it'll be the exact opposite. And because, you know, this is not a statistics-based game, Jody. Everything is not in a vacuum. We always talk about uh, football as a whole. You need so much to go right uh, on any given play. If the left guard misses a block, it can blow everything up. The quarterback can look bad whatever, wide receiver can drop the football, whatever. Evaluations and traits mean something. Carson was the second overall pick for a reason. The Eagles traded up to get him for this massive reason. And by the way, you know, the revisionist history, nobody saw 2017 coming for Carson Wentz. We all said maybe the Eagles can make a run towards the playoffs if he can take a, a, a significant step forward in year two as a starter. Nobody was saying, oh, he's going to be an MVP-level player uh, in his second season. That's true. Um, but the Eagles evaluated him very highly and thought he had the uh, physical traits, the skill set to be a, a superstar quarterback in this league. Again, pedigree is not the be-all, end-all. We talk about it all the time. The best quarterbacks in the history of this game, the modern era, Joe Montana, third-round pick, Tom Brady, sixth-round pick, there are outliers, but benefit of the doubt. I just talked about it when Andre Dillard. You're going to get the benefit of the doubt as a number two overall pick. You are not going to get the benefit of the doubt as a second round pick or a third round pick or a fourth round pick. Might not be fair. Probably isn't fair. Uh, and you can point to that and go into how he's office after the season say hey Jalen had better numbers than Carson you know he's going to say get the hell out of my office I mean I got to go get myself a quarterback it's got more to do about evaluation I know you threw that 16 14 number out there if those are the numbers 
he's not going to be the quarterback of the Eagles in 2022. He's got to do better than that. But the good news for Jalen Hurts is he, he does have an opportunity. He's going to get an opportunity. And if he plays well, and if he plays better than that, and Ross also brought up some points about he's got a better offensive line on paper if guys stay healthy. Uh, he's got better receivers on paper if Devontae Smith is what we think he's going to be, if Jalen Rager can stay healthy. Um, he's got better skill position players. So and in some ways, he's set up a little bit better. I do think people look at this offense and say, where are the weapons? Because of the receivers, well, yes, Devontae's got to play well. Um, Jalen's got to stay healthy and improve dramatically. Uh, Miles has got to get back to his rookie sort of standard. Dallas Goddard has got to be what everybody thinks he can be, and that's a top tight end. If those things happen, he's got a good supporting cast. Does, but uh, yes, I agree with you that the bar is going to be set a little bit higher than probably maybe you or I think mostly me uh, think is going to be fair because I know that Carson Wentz did what he did, the progression of Carson Wentz from year one to year two as a starter. I know Jalen Hurts would be year two to year three, but he only did get a chance to start four games. So I think a better comp Jalen Hurts rookie year to Carson Wentz rookie year, no. The better comp is the first year opening day starter compared to the first day opening day starter. I, I think that's kind of harsh, borderline unfair, although I think you're right that Jalen Hurts is going to have to go above and beyond what Carson Wentz did. Carson Wentz did it and then took that mega step up the second year. You're right. Nobody predicted it. Maybe maybe not Carson's parents thought he could take that massive step that he took. But why shouldn't Jalen Hurts, just because he's a second-round pick rather than the second overall pick, that's the reason why he needs to achieve that much better to hold on to that job? You know, you as a Jets fan know better than anybody else the story of Mo Lewis. Uh, who was a hero in a moment, you know, knocking Drew Bledsoe out of game. And everybody's like, oh, the Patriots are done. The Patriots are – then you have two decades of misery. Two decades of absolute misery. But again, I use that term revisionist history. At the time, everybody was like, when are the Patriots getting – when are we getting Drew Bledsoe back? When When can we possibly get Drew Bledsoe back for the New England Patriots? And Tom Brady turns into Tom Brady. That's the now. Now, Jalen Hurts is not going to be Tom Brady. Let's be realistic. But he has that similar type of opportunity. No one expects it of him, but he has that opportunity. But yeah, he's going to have to play a more elevated position. Uh, he's going to have to do better because there's more question marks than a guy like Drew Bledsoe, a former you know, top overall pick, a guy like Carson Wentz, uh, a former two overall pick. Pedigree is real in this league, Jody. It is very, very, very real. It is, and in a capped league, the commitment that you've got to a guy and what you're paying him is actually part of the equation, which you would hope that it wouldn't be, that it would be all a meritocracy. You get what you earn and deserve. But it's not. It's where no. you were picked and what a kind of a commitment they made to you. And like that is certainly uh, part of it, even though I don't 
I don't like it, but I have to acknowledge that that is the way that it runs. Uh, point we haven't touched on yet, know that uh, uh, you know it full well, Zach Ertz no-show at the Eagles uh, minicamp yesterday, um, which, by the way, I asked you, I asked a couple other guys as well. Um, I think the <clears throat> term you used was considerable amount of players in attendance at phase two, the first of the optional uh, off-season workouts. Certainly, Zach Ertz wasn't part of it, and none of us expected it to be. Um, but the Eagles did get a good number of guys that showed up. What does that tell you? That uh, I saw a couple other reports from around the league. Some teams had many as 80 players there. Yeah. I don't know if the Eagles had 80 yesterday, but uh, they were one of the earlier ones who got out and said, yes, we're taking advice from the union. We're going to take optional to mean optional. We want to do our virtual work on Zoom and we'll work out by ourselves, but we're not planning on going into the facilities. A pretty good number of Eagles showed up at the facilities yesterday. What do you make of it? Um, the league and the players union have been discussing these issues behind the scenes. And when you mentioned the NFLPA came out with all these statements from the teams, that was pre-negotiation. Um, they've talked about scaling back into more of a teaching mode. Uh, a lot of teams have done it individually. The Colts have been, you know, pretty above board about it, uh, they're not doing much on-field work, so it's more of a classroom environment, and players have agreed to to come into that. You mentioned Denver, I think, had 70-plus. Miami had 70-plus. Eagles, I expect, to be in the same range. Um, and it's going to be more of a teaching environment, not as much as an on-field uh, uh, competitive environment. Coaches have kind of pushed that over the years, tried to push the envelope. Baltimore is famous for that. They've gotten fined uh, a number of times. Um, if you're out on the field, they've talked about wearing sandals, so you can't do much uh, to, to create a, a, a true walkthrough environment. So that's where the Eagles are. And Nick Sirianni uh, has said, you know, he expects a lot of people. They just did COVID testing yesterday. So, um, today's the first day for the Eagles, technically, of that phase two. Uh, but yeah, there's going to be a significant number of players there. They're not going to do much on field work other than walkthroughs, legitimate only walkthroughs. And that, that's sort of the compromise the league and the union has, has tried to come up with. All right, McMahon, I'm going to put you to the test again here. I gave you. Carson Wentz's numbers in his rookie year and said, if Jalen Hurts were to put up these exact same numbers, would that be enough for the Eagles to not go in a different direction with quarterback, be either a trade and or to draft a quarterback high? Let me give you these numbers instead, okay? Let's say has an injury, misses a couple of games. We're not going to put him out there for all 16. Let's say he starts 14 games out of six out of 17 this year um completes 63 percent of his passes not great not terrible let's say he throws 18 touchdown passes and 12 interceptions that's a little better than the Carson numbers Carson's with 16 14 <clears throat> I'm moving it to 18 12 let's say he throws for 200 yards a game 
and has a quarterback ranking of 86.5. Does that get Jalen Hurts the starting knob at not in 2022? Well, I'm like Ross. I don't think it's about numbers. But if you want me to look at those numbers, the first number that jumps out at me, if he if he goes from 52 to 63%, that's a big positive for me. So right. number one, I mean, that is a huge step forward. Um, how many games is he winning? I think that's more important. Uh, even though wins and losses are often unfair for a quarterback, you have to be realistic about it. Uh, so are the Eagles – Winning 10 games or are they losing double digits? Uh, that changes because both could be the case with those types of numbers. Um, but ultimately, look, we've talked a lot about FU players over the past couple of days. Can they get to Sean Watson? Then no, it's not good enough. Can they not get to Sean Watson or Russell Wilson? They're not going to get Aaron Rodgers. Maybe it is good enough. Maybe maybe if he's top twenty, as Ross said, maybe it's good enough. But only if it's only good enough if you can't get an FU player. The reason and why I'm sorry. if they if they can get that type of player, no, it's not good enough. Right. So and it, I, a lot I think Deshaun Watson team. is an FU player. Yes. Sam Howell's not an FU player. I'm sorry. I don't care that he gets picked with the third pick in a draft or the second pick and a fourth pick. Well, there's a long way to go between evaluation. I mean, we saw it this year. The Eagles didn't think Justin Fields is an FU player. You do. Yes. Um, or an FU prospect, I think, is maybe the best um, um, definition of him. Eagles didn't think that, obviously. They had an opportunity. Um, it, it always depends on the evaluation. They seem to like Zach Wilson. I don't know. I'd like Justin Fields better than Zach Wilson. So do I. But it's, you know, it's all personal. Uh, I was wondering if you'd notice why I gave you the numbers that I gave you, because I give you Carson Wentz's numbers and said, are those good enough for Zach Wilson to make? You know whose numbers I gave you in the second uh, grouping? Hit me. That would be Tom Brady's first year yeah, as a quarterback yeah. taking over for Drew Bledsoe, as you pointed out. Thank you very much, Mo Lewis. Those <laughs> were the numbers Brady put up, and he went on to become the greatest of all time. So I was just wondering if those kind of numbers, if they can't buy Jalen Hurts the starting job, what really are we doing with the Eagles? Well, different, dip, also different era of football. It's, it, it's weird to say that in, you know, the guy's still playing. Yeah, to talk about a different generation of football. That's literally a different generation of football. You know, I I always I think the number is ninety two point three. I I I had it memorized for years and years and years uh, because that was Joe Montana's final passer rating for his career, um, which was unbelievable, uh, and now is middle of the road. Right. So, yeah, it's 92.3. I just looked it up. You know, that to me was like 714, 755. I always remembered it. Um now it's you're 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 average at 92.3. Right. And and you go back to Tom Brady's first year to right now. Look, I mean, the game has changed so much. You have to you have to put up better numbers than that, or you're not a very good quarterback. Just notice this as I got Brady's numbers up here. Um, 
in that year where he came in off the bench, ends up leading him to the Super Bowl, beats the greatest show on turf uh, as a second-year quarterback. He's in the same position as uh, Mr. Hurts in that he was on the team game year one, but only got into one game. Yes, Hurts got into uh, four. He was actually sacked. He played in 15 games. He started 12. He was sacked 41 times that first year. The most that Brady was ever sacked in his career was his first year as a starter, and he didn't even start all the games, and he got yeah. sacked 41 times. So, and yes. by the way, Jody, I just looked it up. 102.2 was Tom Brady's passer rating last season at the age of 43. That's not, not too shabby, and that's one of the reasons why the uh, Buccaneers were able to walk off with a Super Bowl. All right, we'll take a time out here. We hope, we believe, we are going to be joined by one Aton Shander. He is due to join us here on Birds 365, so keep it right here. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation your way. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. In the Wildwoods, our free beaches are spacious and welcoming with plenty of room to spread out. Your seat will be waiting for you. When you're ready to visit the Wildwoods, creating cherished family memories for generations. Jody Mack, the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network.
It is a Tuesday get-together on the Merch 365 show with John McMullen and Jody McDonald. Uh, we've been doing this now for six-plus weeks. Johnny Mac, a lot of fun. I enjoy working with it day in, day out. Uh, we've had some really good guests on. I think we've created some really good Eagle conversation. Have we been stiffed yet? Have we had a um, guest just not show up for us, commit to be on the show, and then not show up at all? We've had some guys call before the show, say they do it, and then say, oh, sorry, something came up, and get in touch with us ahead of time. Yeah. And said, yeah, that no, has I happened, think I think, so. twice. Yeah, this is Aton, you know, flipping us the middle finger, bottom line. Is, no is, that, real, that. is that really what's happening here? No. No, it's probably forgot something going on at home. Uh, yeah, but, you know, he'll probably get on in a couple minutes when he realizes. I always say, look, this has been a bad week. You know, um, you know, of my 77 jobs and the 77 hats I wear, the most difficult one is is booking people for this show. Man. You know, everybody's got. And I, I try and give you a little helping hand. No, yeah, yeah. You're yeah. much better at it than I am. You got more contacts. You've been in around the league longer than I have, so that's why you do uh, most of the heavy lifting. But I toss one in there every once in a while. Ross yeah. Tucker's a buddy. I gave you a helping hand by yeah. getting him on today. No question. Ross is awesome. Although, by the way, when I see Ross in the press box next, I'm going to be a little scared. I didn't know this violence thing. He's the nicest Holy guy in the mackerel. world. Yeah, he wants to. Little did I know he wants to. Yeah, don't you know, don't sneak the... don't sneak up behind him. You yeah, you want to exactly. come you want to come at Ross Tucker uh, face forward uh, because you want to give yourself a fighting chance because otherwise be careful. He looks like the kind of guy could turn around and just lay out. Oh, of course. Uh, he played offensive line in the league for seven years, which is you know, and he is a Princeton guy. I find that ironic because he is an Ivy League guy. But well, by the um, way, and 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 we really like Ross, and we're going to have him on again. And I do consider him uh, a colleague. I don't know if I would call, call him a buddy, but a colleague. Yeah, he doesn't look like an offensive lineman anymore. Uh, to Ross, no, he lost a lot of weight. Yeah, he's he not, he came down sideways. The yeah. desire to be violent is still there, yeah. but the ability to be violent might not be what it used to be because. Yeah, he used to be 300 plus. He's not 300 anymore. He's a guy who, after the NFL, was able to stay in really good condition. A lot of these offensive linemen just let yeah. it go. They stay at 300 pounds. It's just not muscle anymore. Ross is still all muscle, but he lost, what, 50 pounds? If he's 255, that's about it these days. Yeah. Now, you know, it's one of those things. Generally, you have to get up to 300 pounds to, to play offensive line in the NFL. And, you know, sometimes that's not the best health-wise if, you know, you're getting older in life. So I've seen um, Joe Thomas is another one uh, who's, you know, going to the Hall of Fame, the great left tackle uh, for the Cleveland Browns. Man, when he retired, he lost the weight like that. Matt Burke, uh, the, the ex-Pro Bowl center, uh, he he lost a ton of weight, became a male model at one point. <laughs> um, really? Yeah. Um, so some of the guys realize, yeah, you gotta, you better do it quickly uh, if you're going to do it. Ross is in that category. Hey, it's tough, man. That's why, you know, we're talking about the NFL and the union, Jody, and about guys showing up for voluntary work. 
Jawan James in Denver, which is the high-profile situation going on because he got hurt, non-football injury away from the facility, lost what's going to be millions of dollars if he doesn't win a grievance. That's kind of the jockeying back and forth. These guys, it doesn't stop. I've, I've mentioned it is a grind. It is an absolute grind to play in this league, and they don't just go home and sit on the couch in the offseason. you got to keep yourself ready. Right, and it's a heck of a lot of work, and you can change your body when it's over and done with. Uh, let's uh, restart uh, from where we began the show today. The big news for the Eagles over the past, now it's slightly over 24, well, no, excuse me, it's just under 24 hours, because yesterday we did Birds 365 as we're doing our post-show little confab. Johnny Mac goes, uh-oh, look at this. The Eagles have just signed Ryan Kerrigan. They let the announcement go just slightly after 10 a.m. Eastern. Thank you very much since we're on the air till 10 a.m. Eastern. Uh, but knew we'd be talking about it some 22 hours later. Uh, I'm a f- big fan of the signing. Maybe it's because I had been questioning why not Ryan Kerrigan for the better part of a month. I get the fact that he's only a one-year commitment that the Eagles may not be Super Bowl contenders this year. I don't believe that's going to be the case. So why are you signing Ryan Kerrigan? If it doesn't have long-term implications, well, call me a a narrow-focused guy, but I am kind of interested in the Eagles' 2021 season. I'd prefer them not go 4-12-1 this year, like they went 4-11-1 last year. I'd like to see them be a little bit better. If the Eagles had a young stud up-and-coming defensive lineman, defensive end that I thought Ryan Kerrigan was taking snaps away from, I'd go, you know, this probably isn't a good idea. Who is the guy that Ryan Kerrigan is taking snaps away from that I should be worried about, the coach worrying about winning games rather than building something going forward? The Eagles don't (laughs) have that. I think Kerrigan's still got something left in the tank. That's why I was a big fan of the signing. Well, I I will say he's going to be, I think, taking snaps away from Derek Barnett and Josh Sweat. So is that enough? Um, Now, you can look at how the Eagles ran things under Jim Swartz last year when they used four defensive ends, basically, in the rotation. And that would be Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett, Josh Sweat, Benny Curry. Uh, So if you're going to argue that he's just slotting into the Benny Curry role, Yes. Who, who played about, let's see, I'm looking it up right now, anywhere from 31% to 35%, unless something was going on injury-wise, he had a couple 70 71% games. So if you want to put it down to 33%, I think he's playing more than that. I think he's a better player than Benny Curry. I think he's going to be above 33%. So, and we got Aton, and we'll bring him in just a minute. So, he's taking snaps away from Derek Barnett and Josh Sweat, at least a few, Jody. Well, fair enough. Since we got Aton here, we'll let him answer your question, your proposal. Are the Eagles making a mistake by signing a guy like Kerrigan, who will potentially be taking snaps away from Derek Barnett? Do you think Derek Barnett's still developing? 
that he needs snaps to get better. He's a good couple of years into the NFL career. Shouldn't Derek Barnett be what he's going to be by this stage in his career, Mr. Shander? You know, Mr. McDonald, Mr. McMullen, I, I agree. I think, if anything, he needs a swift kick in the ass, right? He needs a candle lit under his rear right now. This guy's in a contract year, yes. and they brought in somebody as essentially a sh insurance. Now, it's not, you know, the all-state stuff that you see on TV, but there is some level of insurance where you now have depth behind him on that line. And look, there, there is something to be said, Jody, about a guy coming mm -hmm. into a contract year where you're still so uncertain about him living up to that draft pick, about him living up to being a first-rounder and really being what we thought could be be a dominant force on that line. And look, not everybody's going to turn into Reggie White if you break his record in college. I get that. But still, this shouldn't be a – I don't even think we should be talking about whether or not Kerrigan is here taking away snaps from Barnett because we should be looking at Barnett at this point in his career as something at the very least more of a formidable opponent on the, on the D-line. And now we're questioning whether a guy who had, what, five, five-and-a-half sacks last year for Washington should actually – not is but should be taking away snaps from him. And look, if Barnett still is not living up to it in a contract year, I don't even know how you can fault the Eagles for taking snaps away from him at that point. But based on they are paying, well, let's play devil's advocate. They are paying in that fifth-year option, which is very expensive. And oh, by the way, Josh Sweat is on a contract year. And Jeffrey Lurie is the guy who said this is a transition year. It's not John McMullen. It's not H. John Shander. It's not Jody McDonald. Jeffrey Lurie said that. So don't you have to find out if not only Derek Barnett, but Josh Sweat is part of your future because they're younger players that you can extend. Whereas Ryan Kerrigan, he's going to be 34 next year. What, what, what is he going to accomplish long-term for this franchise? That's my concern. Nothing. And, and I think that's fair and, and accurate. Chris Long was here for a short period of time and, and people are now comparing this signing to 2017. Like yeah. there's going to be some magic on the field. I'm not there. And I don't want you to think that I'm there. And there's not even a yet about any of it. I, I think the difference is money. And the difference is what you would pay Josh Sweat to keep him versus what you would pay Derek Barnett. And, and I think the Eagles as savvy and as capable as they are in working deals would probably have something more team favorable for Sweat. Whereas we know with Barnett, the first round tag associated the contract here, this is a pretty big investment. And I agree with you that it's a transition year, no matter what they say or, or try to move away from it, guys. But let's be honest as well. I, I think this is more about they know or they have an idea of who Josh Sweat and Derek Barnett are. And still, they're not certain and they're not sold on Barnett. I wouldn't I would be shocked if they didn't bring Sweat back. I mean, the guy has clearly outplayed the injury tag and all the concerns that dropped him in the draft. He can be on this line and, and play in the NFL. I think with Barnett, this is like the poor man's quarterback situation where, you know, you've got a bird in the hand. And, and do you overpay because, you know, you have some talent as opposed to what moving on and admitting that that was a failure. I think if Derek Barnett, for whatever reason, isn't back here after this contract, it is a failure. And, and you brought that up too, John, about first round picks and fifth year options and extending people and seeing where they lay on, lay on this team 
moving forward on the second or even third time around. So that's where I think there's greater concern with Barnett. And I think maybe the Kerrigan move is more about him as opposed to him being Barnett, as opposed to the team and saying, all right, now we've got a Super Bowl contender adding Ryan Kerrigan. Forget Malcolm. We got Aton in the middle here with us on Birds <laughs> 365. Um, what is the percentage chance Zach Ertz will not be a Philadelphia Eagle when the season starts this year, Aton? That's, I can't imagine that he's going to be back. And it looks like, and, and again, you guys, as far as what you're hearing and, and around the team, it seems similar, which is they tried to trade him. Teams figured out that they were going to cut him June 1st if they couldn't trade him. So they weren't going to give up a, a back-end pick. I don't think it's a bad thing if, for whatever reason, Zach Ertz is back. This is clearly not, and, and again, I don't know it deep enough, but on the surface, it doesn't look like Zach Ertz has had it with Howie Roseman. It doesn't look like Howie Roseman is pissed off Zach Ertz's agent to where nobody's talking, you know, get me the hell out of here. I want to go play in, in Indiana Annapolis with Wentz. It doesn't look like that. And although I, I guess if we come into this season, I'm just painting the picture here, Jody, where if Ertz is back, if we come into the season without the expectations of Zach Ertz being a top five tight end, a top 10 tight end, and maybe allowing Dallas Goddard to take that next leap. I don't think it's a problem. I mean, Jalen Hurts is going to need as, as many people as he knows out there. I think the expectations just have to be tempered, but honestly, it looks like all and all signals look like the Eagles tried to trade him. Nobody was going to pick up because they knew that they would cut him. So now there's just, all right, let's wait and see. And he becomes a casualty on June 1st. I think he's got some legs left, but I also think that the expectations need to be tempered a little bit, and you don't go into it thinking, well, this is Travis Kelsey 2.0. I consider myself a optimistic, Ertz uh, could be back kind of guy. You're even more optimistic than I am. Well, so we'll see how I, that shakes say... out. But here's, here's the reason why I asked the question the way I asked it. I wanted to get to this. If Zach Ertz isn't back, which I believe is still the majority of the possibility. Who's going to be the Eagles' other tight end? Dallas Goddard is the starter, but who's their backup tight end? Are they even going to have three tight ends on this team? <clears throat> what are they doing at tight end? Well, that's something that I, I think we would look a lot at Sirianni's offenses, right, or, or at least Frank Reich's offenses with – with Sirianni there, it seems like they want to run the ball a lot. It seems like they're they're big on the kid from Memphis, and we already know with Miles Sanders back, they could Jordan Howard, they could have a bunch of backs in there, and that could mean a lot of twelve personnel, and maybe the the other instead of trying to pair Zach or Dallas Goddard with another type like Zach Ertz, th there is more emphasis on blocking, and maybe there is with Devontae Smith out there on the field, uh, outside with Rager as well. You you can have some flexibility depending on who your wideout or wideouts may be in the set. So I wouldn't be shocked based on at least, and again, we have no idea until we see Sirianni and we see this offense out there in the field. The guessing game is fun, and I love to do it as well. But if if we're led to believe that they want to run the ball like Indy was able to successfully run the ball a lot. 
And we have Dallas Goddard already on this team as what could be a top 10, top eight, top five, depending on the season tight end, then they may try and, and balance it out and, and put a little more blocking personnel in there to open up the run game. I can't imagine that he wants Jalen Hurts to throw the football 40, 45 times a game. Yeah. So there probably will be, Jody, a, a bunch. Maybe we do see, uh, you know, a, a Rick Rogers type in there as far as somebody who can block, but also if need be run out and catch a pass or two, but I just don't know, or, or really don't think that we'll see two or three pass catching tight ends out there routinely as, as far as the offense, especially when you've got younger guys in Rager and Smith that you really want to get action to. Aton earlier in the show, we were talking about Nick Sirianni's competition mantra. I want to get your thought, Jody, uh, taking it a little bit more literally than me. <laughs> I look at guys, and I'm just looking at the starting lineup. Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders, Isaac Samalu, Jason Kelsey, Brandon Brooks, Lane Johnson, Dallas Goddard, Jalen Rager, Devontae Smith. They're not competing. They are not competing. They are starting players on this team. Even the defense that has more questions, Brandon Grant, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, uh, Darius Slay, Anthony Harris, Eric Wilson, Rodney McLeod, when he's healthy, not competing. What What is your thought process on Nick Sirianni's we're all competing? I don't, I don't get it. This is like the polar opposite, but it's on the same – it's the two opposite sides of the same coin with what happened with Joe Girardi next questioning Jim Salisbury about that altercation that everybody who had two working eyes saw in the dugout. And we just get stuff – that said that just either doesn't add up, doesn't hold up, or just doesn't make sense. And I think what happens is you in the press corps, us here talking about it on show, we have to. We have to address the rock, paper, scissors stuff. We have to address the quarterback competition stuff, even though it looks like Jalen Hurts outside of what, I guess, Joe Flacco catching a miracle here or Hurts getting hurt. But those positions you named as well, I don't understand it because then the next step is, well, is he lying? Is, and and that, he doesn't deserve that, but at the same time, that doesn't happen without him saying that stuff. He doesn't need to prove anything to us, and I don't think we owe him anything as well, but it just seems weird, and it seems bizarre, and then it starts to seem like he's misleading, and then you have the L word coming out there, like, ah, oh, these guys are all liars, and it all stems from stuff that's being said. You know, just come out and you don't need to make it a blanket statement. And here's another thing, too. I don't think, and this is my personal opinion, guys, based on what Jalen Hurts has been through in college and based on what he's had to overcome and also make it to the NFL, what he dealt with last year, this is the last guy on the planet, or at the very least on this team, that I think needs a candle or a fire or anything lit under his ass. This dude is, he is born motivated. And I think you start to devalue what's going on with these guys when you open up a competition for Jason Kelsey or anybody else. I mean, come Come on, let's be honest. You can prop up, you can pump up, you can be excited about what's going on here without coming in like your Bill Belichick and saying, all right, everybody, including Tom Brady, needs to prove themselves to me each and every year. It's like, all right, dude, slow down a little bit. 
you're going to ruin a lot of good things because if you start out one in three or one in four, this stuff comes back to you. It happened with Doug Peterson. We were making yeah. fun of him, unable to use his headlights on a rental car before he won a Super Bowl. So just, I think people, when they're addressing us and they're in front of us and they're talking to us, there's nothing wrong with being testy. There's nothing wrong with being fun. There's nothing wrong with being emotional anyway. I mean, Dick Vermeil would cry for goodness sake. So that's fine. I'm just saying when you start to say stuff that doesn't make sense and if it look, if you two are picking it up, right, then there's a serious problem because on the surface, idiots like me are yes. like, oh, yeah, yeah, they just saying no, no, that. No. But but then you start to see it and then I think it becomes problematic. I uh, need your personal opinion again on this one. We had Ross Tucker on earlier, and we were talking about the competition. One place I think we can agree there will be competition is left tackle. Andre Dillard, first-round draft pick. Jordan Mailata, seventh-round draft pick. Howie Roseman made them both, but he certainly put more of an investment into Andre Dillard. The coach comes in. He's never had either of these players. He doesn't care where they were drafted. He just wants to put the best player out there. At some point, the coach and the general manager are going to have a conversation about the left tackle position. Does Nick Sirianni have the gravitas to be able to say, Howie, listen, my lot is better. I got to play my lot. I know you want to see Dillard get the job. I know I could move my lot to right tackle and be a swing tackle. But I need to put the best tackle out there. And that's Jordan Mailata. I plan on putting Jordan, Jordan Mylott out there. Does the coach have the ability to do that with this general manager? Jody, I don't think he does, but in this particular case, I don't think he has to. And first off, you talk about a fall from grace. You go from Ross Tucker to Aton. My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> but exactly, right? No that, that's a short curve. Yeah. Here's Which, the by thing. the way, Aton, our – you know, I know you got to run where you're at Home Depot. Where are you, by the way? No, no, I, I, I was running late at the doctor's for uh, my now five-week-out pregnant wife. So Okay. See, now you made me look even worse. And I that's did that why, on purpose. Yes. <laughs> and Jody knows why, it's an old radio trick. You, you make exactly. the host feel bad about yes. making you feel bad. You just preempt them. Yeah. Which right. I'm bringing up with Harry Mace. That's what I'm about to do. Now, I made a mistake. Harry originally was going to come on 920 today. Then he wanted to switch it to 820 because he had an exterminator coming. Oh, I geez. forgot the second part of the text. So I come off looking like the you-know-what, which I pretty much am the you-know-what. So here's what I'm doing. I'm setting you up because Harry's going to blister me on the middle so everyone should tune into that. No, no, no. Here's the thing. And and Jody, you, you have to know, before Birds 365 began, we would abuse John McMullen's time two, three times a week. I mean, John was essentially part of the show without having his name on the show. So if there's anything that I can do, and of course, I mean, Jody, we go back forever and, and you're a legend in, in this business. So I'm just thrilled to have conversations with both of you guys. So I, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to take Harry's side on the show. I'll blast <laughs> Harry Mays and stick up for you two because you guys deserve an advocate on the middle, by all and, means. And, and, oh, by the way, Harry's going to join us tomorrow. So yes. if you guys take shots at Johnny Mac, just wait till tomorrow and do it to his face. Yeah. Don't do right. it today on the middle. Do it tomorrow with us here on Bird 365. If he That's wants to right. bury Johnny Mac, he can do it himself. Manana.
And it's exactly. Easy, it's easy to do. Home advantage, call. man. I'm telling yeah. you, when it's on your show, it's much different. Hey, real quick though, I'm I'm curious because back to your question, if I have just a minute, Jody, sure. I think this is an interesting case study in Howie Roseman and the ego. Because what do you think hits harder? What do you think would would be a bigger story or just bigger impact on Howie Roseman's ego? Is it a failed first round draft pick and Andre Dillard who bust most likely out of the NFL, if not the Eagles, or is it bragging to everybody about how you mind this starting left tackle in Jordan Maialata where you can yeah. keep your chest out and see, you know, all those idiots on the radio and TV telling me I don't know my job. Well, we got a starting left tackle who might make the Pro Bowl. So uh, that's where I think in this particular case, Sirianni may not have to convince Howie Roseman that Jordan Mailata is the starter because in Roseman's world and Lurie's world, it may be more of a badge of honor or, or something you can brag about, about Mailata that mitigates the damage done yeah, by Dylan point. busting out. It's yeah, there's, there's win win and yeah. then there's win spin. Yeah. And yes, the spin will be whichever way it goes. Dillard eventually came to, and he looks like the first round pick would be, or, Look at the uh, diamond in the rough we found in Jordan Mylon. Yeah. They'll spin it either way. Whoever wins yeah. the job, the spin will come and how we will look okay at it. We <laughs> appreciate you spinning with us today, Aton. We'll be tuned to the middle this afternoon. Feel free to pimp Harry as much as you feel necessary. He's going to take shots back into both of us. That's fine. He's got to come into our jungle tomorrow. And we're looking forward to that, too. Aton, thanks for hopping on, bud. Anytime, gentlemen. Appreciate you both. Thank Thanks, you. Aton. From the middle here on the Jacob Media Channel, uh, Aton Shander here with us on Birds 365. All right, we'll come back, take our final time out, put a bow on the show. Keep it right here, Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media Channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. 
IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. In the Wildwoods, our free beaches are spacious and welcoming with plenty of room to spread out. Your seat will be waiting for you when you're ready to visit. The Wildwoods, creating cherished family memories for generations. Jody Mack, the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. Down the stretch, we come here on Birds 365 to pay attention. Mac and Mac guys, McMullen and McDonald. Hi, Dad, J. Mac. Um, we were just referencing the fact that you booked uh, 90% of the show. I- I'm going to put a little bit of a request in here for someone I'd like to see on Birds 365. Doesn't have to be between now and the end of the week. Doesn't even have to be now and the end of the month. I'd just say between now and before the start of the NFL's regular season. How good are your Minnesota contacts still? Uh, not as good as they used to be. It's been a long time, but who, who are you thinking? I'm thinking about Kelly Klein, who yesterday was made wow, the head yeah. of player personnel for the Denver Broncos, formerly with the Minnesota Vikings, worked with Pat and the new uh, Denver GM when they were together in Minnesota. He's hired away from Minnesota and giving her a big power base. Um, I remember Amy Trask was the CEO of the Raiders back when Al Davis owned the Raiders. But I guess that was more business oriented that she wasn't doing a bad waiting of linebackers who can step in and play. Uh, Ms. Klein is going to have a say in on running a couple of different departments and actually evaluating players and the like. So from a football perspective, she's got the highest ranking on-field scouting type position that any woman's ever had. Uh, She'd be really interesting to talk to. I'd love to see us get her here on Birds 365. You need to work your Minnesota ties here, buddy. Well, I know George Payton, who's the GM at the Broncos and hired her, was the assistant GM uh, under Rick Spielman in Minnesota for a long time. Um, I think Kelly was in grade school when I was <laughs> but Come on, yeah, her... what? You didn't get that you didn't get out to her grade school? No. Um, yeah, don't say that, Jody. Yeah. Um just had to check. But she was an intern. She was a PR intern. And she slowly, slowly worked her way up. Um, and Rick Spielman was just talking about her yesterday and how efficient she was, how organized she was. She got into the scouting part of it. Yeah, she she's on you know track to be the first female GM in NFL history. We'll see how it works out. I can always try, but you know those guys. They're not going, you know, people in an active position. Now, Amy Trask is somebody I was thinking about contacting to be on the show i think she's a better chance than than kelly i mean it's like getting andy weidel on this show i'd love to do it andy if you're listening come on the show 
he's not going to get permission to come on the show. That's, you know, that's difficult to do. Right. Uh, Amy Trask is already a member of the media, so that makes that uh, yeah. reasonably doable, whereas uh, Kelly Klein is just starting her new position in a position that no woman has ever, ever held before. Yeah, it'd probably be pretty tough to get her to commit to come on the show. I thought I'd just ask. I didn't know how good your Minnesota contacts were. I'm just putting a little pressure on you, Johnny. I'm sorry. <laughs> just just warm me up for Harry tomorrow when he decides to take you. Yeah, a lot of pressure there because that was my fault. It's my fault. I got to own up to it. But that's what you do, Jody. You own up to things. And I'm going to own up to something right here that nobody's going to like. Really? And that's what, what we were talking about. Andre Dillard, Jordan Mailata, everybody wants Jordan. Everybody loves Jordan. Ross Tucker. I'm going to say Andre Dillard is going to be the starting left tackle of this team. Snapping it down right now. I, You know, I would love to either agree with you or disagree with you, but I'm being 100% honest with our uh, viewers and our listeners. I don't know. I don't know who's going to be the better guy. The only thing I'm hoping for, and it's about the eighth time that I've said this here on the show today, may the best man win. Have it as a truly fair competition. If it's going to be decided by number of snaps, if there are 2,000 snaps to be had from the time the Eagles show up at camp and actually have offensive guys against defensive guys, uh, for the first snap of the first game come September, if there's going to be 2,000 snaps of practice and or preseason games or whatever, get give them 1,000 apiece. That's all I'm asking. Split it right down the middle, have the tape rolling on every single snap they play, and may the best man win. I hope it's not decided because Andre Dillard was a first-round draft pick. I hope it's not decided because – well, Jordan Mailata would be a great story that he was a guy who John McMullen had to teach him how to put on his helmet, that uh, he come out, came out of nowhere to become an M. I don't care about any of that. I just wanted to be judged on the field, made the best <clears throat> left tackle start week number one. And I think Mr. Competition himself, Coach Sirianni, <laughs> is going to do just that. Well, and by the way, I think it will be. I don't know if it'll be a thousand versus a thousand. I don't think it's 50 50. My assessment is the Eagles think more of Andre Dillard than the fan base, and they still think he is a natural pass protector. They still think he's got a big upside. He was going to be the starting left tackle last season uh, before he tore his biceps. Look, unless he falls flat on the space, I talked about that consistency versus inconsistency. I think they like Andre Diller better, but we'll see. Do you think Jason Peters still has Jeffrey Lurie's number? Or are we? Oh, no question about that. I've joked about the flow chart in Philadelphia for years. Nick Piero, Nick Piero, if he wasn't in the car, could tell you this. I had my flow chart. It goes Jeffrey Lurie. Jason Peters, Howie Roseman, Doug Peterson. <laughs> and Dougie is no longer on no. that flow chart, but it's Nick Sirianni. Don't know how much influence that Peters guy still does have. Uh, we think it's none, but you never really know. Here's one thing I do know. We'll be right back here in 22 hours. Harry Mays is going to join us. My ex-partner on the radio side, Harry Mays. He better not take shots at me. He better all save his shots for you, McMullen. I'll uh, take them all, Jody. I'll you, take you got, them all. You got to tune in tomorrow when Harry joins us. We'll be right back here on Birds 365 in 22 hours. Have yourself a great Tuesday, buddy. 
If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify.